everybody, it is your boy Andres, and we're back with episode 17 of the Sports Fellas Podcast. And today, along with my co-host Eric, how you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing great today. You already know why, but we'll get Fuck into off, it. man. Yeah, we haven't yeah. even started the show, bro. Yeah, you know why. And with our 14th guest, my man Yams, the most loyal Russell Westbrook fan on this planet, <laughs> more loyal than all the Russell Westbrook fans on Twitter. How you doing, sir? I mean, I'm good, man. I'm happy to be here, of course, you know, to spread the agenda and to talk about, you know, all sorts of sports. You know, hopefully we're going to be talking about, you know, the Champions League. We're going to be talking about my man, Russell Westbrook, of course, and the Eric Rogers saga as it unfolds, you know. Yes, sir. As you guys heard, we will be talking about Mr. Aaron Rodgers. We're going to be talking about Russell Westbrook and his legacy, and we're going to address the Champions League. So to start out today, um, obviously last week we told you guys that Aaron Rodgers had requested a trade. Um, today and in the past few days, we've seen Terry Bradshaw. If you guys don't know who Terry Bradshaw is, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He won, I think, three championships with the Steelers. He said, him being that upset shows me how weak he is. Who the hell cares who you draft? He's a three-time MVP in the league, and he's worried about this guy they drafted last year at number one. And for him to be upset, my God, I don't understand that. Here's what I would do. I wouldn't budge. Let him cry, retire. You are 37. See you later. I'm really strong about stuff like that. It just makes him look weak. How dare you draft somebody? Now, if you're an unbiased football fan, obviously Aaron Rodgers has to be somewhere in your top five. If you don't have him in somewhere in your top five, you're either delusional, something's wrong with you, or you're a Chicago Bears fan. And there's nothing wrong with being a Chicago Bears fan, given that they got Justin Fields, who's one of the best um, quarterback prospects coming out of college. And could have been QB2, according to a lot of reporters. So, Eric, let me start with you first, since you're a fan of football and a fan of Tom Brady and you're a fan of Aaron Rodgers. What did you think about when you saw these comments? Um, I don't I, – I think we're in a weird time where, like, people – we like, I think it kind of reminds me of just, like, the Shaq type stuff where older players just are unnecessarily criticizing players right now, like, with how Shaq was just kind of dogging on Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And he just, he feels the need to talk trash with them. I don't even understand some of the stuff Terry Bradshaw was saying, because you just told me about how he, like before we started this, you had told me how he had made like comments about it. So I went and watched one of the videos on it. And he talked about how Aaron Rodgers had some of the worst footwork of any QB he's ever seen. Well, that right there kind of tells me that he's just kind of talking nonsense. Like he, he doesn't even know what he's talking about at this point. He's just talking just to talk for attention. It feels like, like, how can you say who they draft doesn't matter when they've drafted? I think it's, I saw one thing saying like in the last eight or 10 years or something, they've drafted in the first round one offensive player and it was Jordan Love, a quarterback, his backup. Like, how can you say that doesn't matter when they clearly, every analyst, every fan, everyone can see that they need help on offense. They need skill positions. They need a receiver because it's pretty much Devontae Adams and then, he has no other main target, really. Well, MVS is pretty dope. Yeah, uh, he, he's inconsistent. That's my main thing with him. Like, one game he'll pop off should've, and then – Should have had that catch against the Bucks, but – Yeah, so it was pretty obvious to everyone they should get a uh, receiver, and they don't. And I think – I saw a lot of people talk about how, well, the uh, Buccaneers drafted – like Brady's backup this year, like who's going to take over for him. And then whenever Brady was at the Patriots, they drafted Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo to take over for him. The difference is though, 
the t- organization had talked to Brady before he taken that. They talked to him about taking Trask in the second round of the Bucks, and he was on board with it. He said that's a good idea to build for the future. The Patriots had apparently talked to Brady about getting Jimmy Garoppolo, and he was on board with it. He said, yeah, draft for the future. They didn't talk to Aaron Rodgers about it, and the difference is they used a first-round pick on it when there was they were a team that could very easily have been a Super Bowl team, and they were probably one or two pieces away, and they instead decide to get – a quarterback for the guy who went on to win MVP. It was a project. Yeah, like it just it makes no sense. And acting like that doesn't matter. Terry Bradshaw saying who they draft doesn't matter. That's just wrong. And he has a reason to be upset. And I don't blame him for being upset with it. Like it 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 just seems like people want to find a reason to be mad at him, even though I think most of his reasons are pretty valid. Like Aaron Rodgers does annoy me at times. I feel like he can be a little extra. I feel like he's not always the greatest team player. I sometimes see him get a little too frustrated in moments he shouldn't, but I still think he has, every reason he's complained about and like it's been reported that he's upset over this right now. It seems very valid to me and I don't have a problem with it. Yams. We've seen the Raiders interested in Aaron Rodgers, but can I get your thoughts on the Terry Bradshaw situation? I mean, to be honest with you, I've got to agree with Eric on this one, you know, clearly Terry Bradshaw is speaking for the sake of it. Uh, I, I don't I like I don't know what he's on about to be honest with, with you he's, he's saying stuff like you know are you kidding me really Aaron that's where this is you know here's what I would do I wouldn't budge let him gripe let him cry retire you're 37 go ahead and retire see you later I'm really strong about stuff like that it just makes him look weak how dare you draft somebody you know obviously so that's in a mocking manner I mean as Eric's noted they've they haven't really drafted any big skill position players, you know, in the first round, obviously. And the only offensive player they've drafted in the first round in the last however number of years is Jordan Love, a quarterback. Uh, So, you know, obviously with that in mind, you know, the Green Bay Packers last year, you know, I mean, in like 2019, when they lost to the 49ers, you know, they, they they need a few pieces, obviously. Defensively, they weren't sharp at all. And obviously, the offense stalled out on quite a few drives in that game. So, so to go on and draft a quarterback when you're in NFC, when you're making the NFC Championship game, and when you're, you know, two wins away from you know winning it all, you know that's 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 not a serious strategy. It's not a serious way to instill confidence in your group that you know. Yeah, sure. Aaron Rodgers, he's he's 37 now. He was 36 when they drafted Jordan Love. I mean, imagine if they had drafted someone else instead of Jordan Love. Maybe say uh, Brandon Ayuk, for example, or so, something something to that effect. Where where would they be? They'd probably be in the Super Bowl, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. you know the same thing happened again this year. You know, they were. But they were much closer this year than than you know the year beforehand, in that respect, because you know they lost by what five points was it? Yeah, 31, 31 to thirty one twenty six. Correct. And you know they they forced a few big big turnovers in the in the fourth quarter against the Bucks. Even if I recall correctly, two consecutive turnovers, uh, you know, by intercepting Tom Brady, if if I'm correct. Yeah, I think it was two or three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and you know, 
and both times, you know, they didn't get much out of it. You know, when they needed eight, eight points, they settled for three. So yeah, that was the, such a weird move. I still don't understand that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, of, of course you'll be mad when you're someone with the status of Aaron Rodgers, you know, you're, and when you're at that stage in your career, obviously Aaron Rodgers clearly hasn't slowed down all that much, but reg regression, regression isn't always like a linear thing. It can just happen, you know, one year, he, one year and he's done. You know, it's happened to a lot of big name players, you know, Kevin Garnett's a good example of that, you know, he was like a pretty good player in like one cross 13. And then he, uh, he just fell off the face of the map the very next year. So, the, so you know, not maximizing the career of a, you know, a player of that status is the problem. And he has every right to be upset about it, you know, especially considering past transgressions, I, I quote unquote transgressions, right. in terms of decision-making within the Green Bay front office, in terms of keeping Mike McCarthy for a few years longer than he should have been kept. Because <laughs> we, we all know, you know, he, his career entirely, you know, revolved on Aaron Rodgers, keeping him in a job, him and Brett Favre, of course, in his earlier few years. So really what I'm trying to get at here is Aaron Rodgers has every right to be upset. Yes, sure. I we don't. Nobody needs to agree with everything, every feeling he has, and every statement he makes, because sometimes he does. You know, he's a little bit over the top. But in this in this case, he, he's he's in the right. You know, if if they if they're going to keep doing this stuff, if they're going to keep taking this approach to their roster building and to what they currently have, their window's going to shut really quickly. And for what? You know, it's because because they were a bit too giddy on drafting a replacement when they didn't really need to. Yeah. Um, obviously, you guys know I'm a big Aaron Rodgers guy. And obviously, I feel like we as human beings have the right to like express if we're upset or not. So I think Rodgers was also frustrated that that information came out about him like requesting a trade and about the Niners inquiring. And they were saying that um, – I forgot the exact word for it. Oh, uh, oh my God. Like, what is it called when, when you like talk to players behind the scenes and then they get fined? Uh, 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 yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of it either, though. Tampering. Whoa. There we go. Tampering. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to. I was like, is it? I was like, is this guy talking about tampering? <laughs> I couldn't think I was, of it. I was trying to make sure. I was like, okay, this doesn't, this doesn't explain it really well. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's um, it's tampering. <laughs> that that's what it is. I don't think there's anything wrong with what he did, given the results of like the last like five years. Like he was injured for two years at 34 and 35, and in the last two years, where he's like 36 and 37, he's looked like the best he's well, not the best he's ever looked, but like the best he's ever looked since his MVP season. Mm -hmm. So obviously, we know Tom Brady and Father Time doesn't look like it's catching up to him anytime soon. And all the people that hate Tom Brady are going to say that the defense this, the defense that, yada, yada, yada. Try to discredit him after seven Super Bowl rings, which is pathetic. So I don't see a problem with what Aaron Rodgers is doing. There's nothing wrong with what the way, the way he went about it, maybe. The same thing that happened to James Harden, that people were saying that, oh, James Harden should just get sent to the Nuggets or to Minnesota or to like a random destination. Like after what James Harden did for eight, eight and a half years in Houston, they went right 
um, they did right by him. They sent him to his preferred destination, which was Brooklyn, for those of you that live on the rock or haven't been watching the NBA all season. So for Aaron Rodgers, I just feel like he's reached a moment in his life where he's like, I want to have another Super Bowl ring. Like, I want another shot. Can we please do this? You know, so a lot of people were saying that he might have gone to the 49ers because California's home. And then the Niners went and took Trey Lance. No, they didn't take Mac Jones. They took Trey Lance. I know. Every mock draft was wrong. It's funny. Um, but, um, Eric, let me ask you this now. A lot of free agents or the word that Adam Schefter put out was that Aaron Rodgers told free agents that he's not coming back to Green Bay. Yeah. Would you say that's out of pocket or is that I, fine with him? Are you fine with him doing that? Man, I think it's kind of messed up, but I thought it was funny more than anything. If that was my team, if, like he was on the Texans and he did that, like I, I know we don't like talking about him because everything's going on with him, but if like Deshaun Watson, pretend none of that stuff off the scene is going on. It's just he wants to leave and he started telling all the free agents, I'm not going to be here next year, so you shouldn't come. I'd be pretty damn upset. But from a non-biased person who's just watching it from the side, I think it's funny, honestly. But I would, if I was a Packers fan, I'd be pissed off about that. I do think it's a little messed up. I mean, I they who knows? They could have gotten a lot more pieces over the offseason to help them. But I don't know. I, I think after a while, he just got kind of fed up. And it, but I think the biggest problem now is it feels like it's like unrepairable. Like there, you can't really fix the situation between him and the Packers, especially with that stuff coming out. Like it feels like. I don't know who he's going to get traded to one team that I keep like I keep hearing and that makes sense to me would be like the Broncos because they could have taken a quarterback at nine. They didn't. They ended up taking Sertan. So they need a quarterback still to replace Drew Locke because Drew Locke's just not a great, great quarterback. But I don't know. It, it just feels like he's not going to be at the Packers for much longer. And I'm happy to see him on a different team, maybe a team that will actually like build around him a little better but I do think that was a little out of pocket I mean it was a little unnecessary I think but I guess if he's just being honest and letting them know like if they're asking him about the next year and he's saying I don't think I'm going to be here I guess it is what it is at that point okay um Yams would you trade your favorite quarterback Derek Carr for Mr. Aaron Rodgers my favorite quarterback oh come on really <laughs> not it's not all that you know I appreciate him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's a pretty good quarterback based on what I've seen over the past seven years. You know, he's a pretty good quarterback. I can't blame him for, you know, some of the, you know, the, the team success or lack thereof, rather. You know, a team that's this defensively bad for this long. Uh, and, you know, other, I mean, it's a lot of things, you know. I mean, I don't, the last time the Raiders were in the top half defensively, was if I recall correctly, 2003 or something to that. It's it's it, 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 yeah, they've been pretty bad defensively for a very 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 long time. That that's one. So I can't really put a lot of that. Uh, you know, the lack of team success on him. I mean, sure, sometimes he frustrates me. I feel like he he's a bit too safe in terms of his decisions, which kind of limits the, where the team can be, but. I mean, I don't necessarily blame him for that either because, you know, when Gruden came in in, like, 2018, they essentially burned everything to the ground and they still couldn't come up with the first overall pick because they won some meaningless games in November. 
And with the fourth overall pick, they picked uh, one Cleveland Furl. Uh, John Gruden was good. I mean, I, I mean, he's not he's not a bad he's not a bad coach. He's a solid coach, and but like there are a lot of things that I'm not too happy about. Let's say that. And once again, the defense still sucks and <laughs> is bottom five in the NFL year in year out. So, what can you do? But as for, I'd I'd be open to you know maybe looking into Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think that's gonna be. That's gonna that's gonna be the case. I don't think they're gonna get him. Uh, I think there's a lot more for them to focus on than quarterback, in my opinion. So it's namely rebuilding the offensive line, having already let go of three veteran offensive linemen in Trent Brown, Rodney Hudson, and Gabe Jackson in the offseason. So, and obviously the defense. You know, I, I once again we keep going back to that point. <laughs> there, like there, there is there is no level defensively that's good you know the line the line's pretty subpar not the line uh, not the safeties not nothing yeah not the safe. i mean i mean like okay and the linebackers aren't good either uh the, the safety the safeties being the worst of the lot speaks a lot to how bad this actually is do you know do you know how bad you have to be to be the worst defensive positional group on the Raiders, you know that's that 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 takes some talent, <laughs> and that's why they and that's why they drafted three safeties with their first five picks this draft. Yeah, so but it just feels like y'all draft weird every year. Like y'all went with Cleveland Farrell fourth, who no one expected to go top four. Then, yeah. which this this pick might not necessarily be bad because it's understandable. But most people had either C.D. Lamb or Judy as the best receiver, and y'all ended up going with Rugs, and then. Okay. And then y'all take Leatherwood in the first round, which no one expected him to be one of the top tackles or offensive linemen taken. So it just feels like y'all, y'all's scouting department picks weird every year. Oh, yeah. Okay. Since we're going to want to talk about drafting, this is like in, in the three years of Mike Mayock with the Las Vegas Raiders and his three draft. Is the first pick, the first pick has always seemed to be the worst one. And then, mm-hmm. and then it gets a lot, and then it gets a lot better after that. Yeah. And I mean, okay, like last year, okay, maybe I'm a bit too harsh on Henry Ruggs because I think Henry Ruggs is a pretty good pick. I think I, I obviously not the best pick uh, with where it should have been, you know, you know. I think C.D. Lamb would have been a better pick, and I was fine for C.D. Lamb. I was like, when I saw the Jets take Mikai Beckton, I was like, no, they've got to go Ruggs here. I mean, not Ruggs, Lamb. Mm-hmm. And they go drugs, and I was I was not too happy about it. I had but Lamb in my fantasy team, and after I traded him, and it was when he started producing in the last like five yeah. weeks. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, real. What the, you know what the problem with Henry Ruggs is? The problem is that they don't even plan with him. They don't do much with him. With him, they, he doesn't really see the ball. Like, but when he doesn't see the ball, he does, you know, pretty good things. He's, you know, he's not exactly, br- doesn't have brick hands. He's obviously insanely fast. So, you know, he, mm-hmm. you, you can, you can throw it, you can throw it, you know, as far down as you want and he'll get, and he'll probably get it for you. Uh, but it doesn't feel like, you know, like I'll use just, I'll use the Tyreek Hill example uh, with Kansas City. It doesn't take, like obviously in his first year, Tyreek Hill didn't produce that much. He was mostly a return specialist. Uh, uh, and but like you know, 
after after his second year in the league, well, including his second year in the league, you know, they were they were doing a lot more with him. And I feel like by letting Nelson Aguilar go, I feel like now, and by not picking a wide receiver in this draft, I feel like now they're ready to and give Henry can... Ruggs, yeah, to give him, to, yeah, and Tyrone Williams, who didn't play last year with an injury. Uh, I feel like now they're ready to give Henry Ruggs the role that they've they've imagined for him. You know, I think mm-hmm. he he has that potential. Obviously, you know, a lot of people pant the pick for being you know just typical Raiders picking just you know because he's fast. They just made that pick because of his uh, com- combine speed, but his in-game speed is you know just as impressive and. Clearly, while his route running might need some refining, obviously, along with other aspects of his game, it still does not justify the complete and utter lack of usage that he had in his first year. You know, I think he was seeing like three targets a game (laughs) on a team that didn't really have many receiving options outside of Darren Waller and surprisingly enough, Nelson Aguilar. I mean... I don't blame Nelson Aguilar for leaving though. I want them to stay. I don't blame him for leaving because he was he threw a fit after the Miami game, uh, you know, that game. Uh, where the face mask, Matt yep. Collins, uh, and all he he's understandably so because you know they, they did some really dumb things in that game. But all in all, the Raiders seem to make good picks after in the second round or later. But their first round picks always seem to be off the board. And, and you know, back to clear and furl just to finish off here. I think I think he can he can do pretty well. I think, but I don't think he can perform up to his number four, you know, pick status. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think that's gonna happen. He can he can create pressure, he can he can stop the run, but you don't put the number four overall pick on a guy that just generates pressure and stops the run you know that i think that's not what any team should be looking for at that pay at that you know at that high up in the draft so that's all i have to say about that (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of a rant i mean it wasn't much screw screw the las vegas raiders until they get a new owner is that what we're on Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Mark Mark da- Mark Davis. Uh, he's he's. I, I don't like. It's so weird. These guys they talk about how cash trapped they are, and then they go to Las Vegas. Like what? Like <laughs> how do how do how do how are you this cash trapped and you know keep keep? I mean, I understand obviously the city of Oakland. You know they didn't really help out here, but like, how do you how do you say that? I don't. I don't have money, guys. You need to help me out here. I mean, they don't. They're, uh, if I'm correct, the le- least wealthy owner in the NHL and the NFL, not NHL. The, you know, Mark Davis is has the lowest net worth amongst all owners in the NFL, if I recall correctly. And I think that number is at like 500 million, which is like. That's not that's not much. Not for an NFL owner, that's pretty low, honestly. Yeah, like I have I more, mean, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah we, we know we know you have more. Come on, yeah. we know you. Dev is not Just real. To... Shout out to my guy Alex. 
Mr. Cash Money and Rossinio, that's the guy. You know the vibe. But then, we know, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Moving yeah. on to our second topic of the day, we got to have a chat about Mr. Russell Westbrook. This man has 178 triple doubles. He's three behind Oscar Robertson for most all time. Um, the other day, he had another 20 rebound and 20 assist game. He's the first player in NBA history to average a triple-double in four different seasons. Um, funny enough, the only other player to average a triple-double in a season is Oscar Robertson. And this man has been doing it for four – he's done it four times. Um, 2017, which was his MVP year, 2018, 2019, and this year with the Wizards. If Russell Westbrook scores zero points, zero rebounds, and zero assists in the last, I don't know, what is it, six games, he's still going to average a triple-double for the year. And I think we take him for granted. And I've always said that everything in life is hard until someone else makes it look easy. So back then when people got a triple-double, they were like, oh, my God, holy shit, he got a triple-double. Jason Kidd, holy shit, he got a triple-double. You know, LeBron James, holy shit, he got a 40-point triple-double. So when Russell Westbrook started doing this every day, everyone was like, nah, you know what? He's a stat patter. He's a so many so many racist remarks on Twitter about who Russell Westbrook is, and it's just like completely different from who he is as a player. And it's very sickening that um, what is it? Twelve years later, we're having a discussion of if he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, if he was a superstar when when he was playing with Kevin Durant, or the Kevin Durant didn't win a championship because he was playing with a with a Ninja Turtle his whole career. Like just a lot of racist remarks that we're trying to rewrite on Russell Westbrook's career. And um, <clears throat> we just wanted to give him his flowers because hopefully he breaks Oscar Robertson's record this year. Hopefully we don't have to wait till next um, October or um, November for it to happen. Hopefully in these last six games, he could make it happen. But um, it's time to give Russell Westbrook his flowers because when he retires, um, everyone is going to remember of, 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 for what he did for the game. And anyone that's saying otherwise is loud and wrong. Um, with that being said, Eric, do you have any thoughts on Mr. Triple Double himself? Uh, I think it's just, I think one thing people have like come to on NBA Twitter specifically, because I feel like that's a lot of what we're talking about. Those are the people we talk basketball with the most and stuff is some people, Westbrook could have a game where he drops 25 points. He could have 13 assists. He could have 12 rebounds. But if he shot like eight of 20, only 40%, people would act like that's a terrible game. And I think that's a horrible way to look at basketball. Look, people value like way efficiency way too much. I think at this point, like there's a lot of aspects of an NBA game and a lot of ways you can impact a game. And he does it in so many ways, but people instantly always just want to look at the field goal percentage and if he did good or not from there. Well, he could like literally he dropped he he's he's the one guy that you feel like is actually breaking Wilt's records like no one else is touching Wilt but Russell Westbrook is managing to do it and people still aren't appreciating it he just broke a record from him bro I know like that's what I'm saying it's ridiculous like <laughs> no one else is doing that except for Russ and people still don't want to give him stars like I was just looking up stats earlier over the last 30 games he's averaging 23 13 and 13. No, like no one could. I you can't even find players that will get two straight triple doubles. Meanwhile, this dude will average above and beyond that, like way above and beyond that for thirty straight games. He's done it for four straight seasons. Like we four or five, four or five. Say that again. Four or five. Four or five. Oh yeah, my bad. Yeah, but 
I think it's just I will be the first to say Russ has had moments obviously where he hasn't looked great like he against the Jazz he didn't look at his best he had a couple bad games but also Paul George was hurt he wasn't getting much help there I stand by it and I will always stand by it to this day don't give me a finger you know it's true though he he, he was terrible anyway I will stand by it to this day as a Rockets fan and a guy who thought at the time and like I would I could still make an argument for Harden winning 2017 MVP but I don't really care to at this point it's kind of overplayed and just doesn't matter I don't care that Russ won it I'm fine that he won it but I still think Russell Westbrook in the first round against the Rockets is the hardest carry job I've like he carried them more than any player I've ever seen carry anyone else like they fell apart so bad if he was off the court for even 90 seconds we would go on a 12-0 run like it was actually insane how bad they were once he would hit the bench and he was putting up I think in games two through five he averaged like 43 11 and 11 or so, something insane like that like he had, he he had was, a 50 point triple double I think yeah, like, he was ridiculous and people still looked at like I remember I think he had 51 points and someone was like well it took him 43 shots to get there Bro, are you dumb? Like, people just want to find reasons to hate. He will. He carried the hell out of that 2017 Thunder team, and people still want to refuse it and find reasons to try and, like, disregard it and minimize it. And I think it's just to the point where people want to hate on greatness, and we need to acknowledge that Russell Westbrook is greatness right in front of us, and we're seeing it every day with him. Um, oh. Eric, we're unbiased here at the sports, fellas, so mm-hmm. I need a drum roll. And who... Who deserved the 2017 MVP? Oh, you're do this to me. Look, yeah. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna yeah. say this. I'm on the sports this. fellas, we love to put people on the spot, so I had to put Eric on the spot, given that he's an unbiased Houston Rockets fan. And so yeah. let's see. What, let's see what he says. I'll say this. Okay, based on history, based on history, like how the award had been handled the years past, Harden fit it more. But then. Here's here's another thing. I do think Harden deserved it based on just what the award was meant. But when you look back at the 2017 season and you think about who, when you think about MVP and which season was more historic, you think of Russell Westbrook automatically. Like you're gonna think of him over Harden. So I'm like split on that reason. But I don't have a problem with Russ winning. I was I I was annoyed at the time just because that's when. Harden and Russ fans and Rockets and Thunder fans were going at it every single day. Me and Noah every were at each other's necks. Yams were like we always were just arguing every day and stuff. Honestly, that oh. was when NBA Twitter was the most fun because we actually talked basketball instead of just fourteen-year-olds acting weird on there. But shame yeah. on you, Lamicky. Oh <laughs> Girl, but I just, uh, I, you know, I'll say Russ deserved it. I, I was, I, I'm like fifty-fifty. But there I'll, you have it, folks. 6.47 p.m., May 5th, 2021, Eric confesses that Russell Westbrook was the oh MVP. Um, before we get to Yams, I got to give a shout-out to Noah and Streisand for being the two biggest Russell Westbrook fans on Twitter that I've seen. Um, the work rate is actually unbelievable. And with that being said, Yams, can I gather your thoughts on Mr. Triple Double and what he's meant to you as a Thunder fan and as a basketball player in general? Oh, Okay. You know, Russell Westbrook, he's, he's a man that doesn't need any introduction. You know what he does night in, night out, you know, on the court, off the court. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's the talk of the town usually, you know, amongst basketball fans, be it for good reasons or otherwise, you know. 
you know, he has seven more games this season to break the triple-double record. Uh, you know, tonight he plays against the Milwaukee Bucks. So if he can get another triple-double and a win today, that could be, that that would be big, of course, you know, for the Wizards' hopes. You know, I want to start off by talking about this season. You know, I want to focus on this season first and foremost with the Wizards and with Russell Westbrook, of course. You know, in the first month and some change, you know, he was, he was a bit off color. A lot, and a lot of it was admittedly, according to him and according to Scott Brooks, at least, due to uh, lingering injuries, you know, from, you know, the, the season prior to this one. And, you know, the Wizards were like 2-16 and 16 to start off the year, and he was, like, dropping extremely terrible games in, in, ter- in terms of efficiency, in terms of, you know, the cumulative statistics as well. So, you know... And, you know, obviously everyone was on Russell Westbrook because he was like, you know, he's not, he's not, he wasn't doing enough, it seemed. I mean, we, I mean, it was obviously very clear from the start that he was not 100% physically, you know, bearing in mind, of course, that he had to deal with COVID a few months prior to. Yeah, I know it's a bit, it's a bit of a, you know, quote unquote tired excuse, but, you know, we know that COVID has long-term effects on a lot of people, you know, even Jason Tatum admitted to using, you know, inhalers, inhalers, you know, during games, you know. So I hope nobody undermines the impact of, you know, going through such a disease on anyone. Even if you were asymptomatic, you know, you'll still feel, you'll still feel the effects even after you're done. But enough about that, you know, obviously in the last three months or some change, you know, Russell Westbrook, he's turned it on, you know, you know the numbers. You have to hear them every night from all the talking heads. You know from all these NBA stat pages on Twitter. They keep posting about it every night. You you know the numbers. I don't need to talk about the numbers. Yeah, I, I everyone everyone knows what they are. You know he's averaging 22, 11 and 11 on 42.1. Wait, no, wrong numbers. My bad. Uh, for, <laughs> 40, 44% from the field. I was looking at the different season. Yeah, 44% after starting off the season and like the first 30 games shooting 38% and like averaging something like 18 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. So, you know, so, you know, obviously he's turned it on. And as Andres said, last 30 games. So that's like the last two months or something, averaging 23 points, 13 rebounds. 13 assists. Even the people speed. that don't watch basketball know that Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple ball right now. Every, everyone, everyone, everyone knows. I don't need to talk about the numbers. The number, I, anything I say is essentially a repetition of something, of something that someone said, which is also a repetition of something that someone said like five minutes earlier. Everyone keeps talking about it. I don't need to mention it any further. So the point, with that in mind, obviously, with respect to this season, I'll cut to the chase and say that his his recovery has obviously aided the Wizards in being a playing team currently three games ahead of the Toronto Raptors, three games ahead of the Chicago Bulls. So, you know, if they can get a few wins here, uh, you know, if they can win both of their back-to-back games today and tomorrow, they can essentially wrap it up because, you know, they'll be facing the Raptors tomorrow uh, after they face the Bucks today. So if he... So if he can drop like, I don't know, four or five triple doubles in the final seven games and win like four of these games, 
the Wizards would be entering the play in. And they'd be on form too, you know, especially uh, considering how they started the season. So with COVID, and watch everything. it, watch, watch it, watch out for the Wizards, man. They could, they could, they could be something. I'm not saying they're going to be a championship team. That's what you just said, bro. That's what you just said. We have it on. We have it. <laughs> I mean, just I wish. Said, I wish. You just said I Russell wish. Westbrook is beating Kevin Durant in the first round. Come on. I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I mean, if, if it happens, <coughs> I mean, give me a moment. If it happens, don't count it out. If they oh, it, okay. Don't, okay. Don't count. okay. I'm, 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 you know, obviously, you know, the, the Nets, they're going to be the favorites. They have, they have the better team. And they're obviously much higher up in the standings than the Washington Wizards today. But this is the one team I think that nobody wants to face in the first round. You don't know what you're going to get. And obviously, you know, they're, they're, they're going to make every game tough. But since we're talking about the Wizards, you know, before I move on to Russell Westbrook's legacy as a whole, you know, Daniel Gafford, underrated acquisition. The Wizards. Russ Twitter been... loves him, bro. No, it's crazy. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I imagine Wizards fans love him too because the Wizards were a really terrible defensive team before he came in, and now they're like, like in the last month or so since he came in, he's been they've been like a top five defensive team in that time span. So you know, so to make that impact, that's that's pretty special. I know Daniel Gafford, not a superstar, not a big name, but the point is that, you know, his impact since coming to the Wizards cannot be understated because that also coincides with the time that the Wizards have gone on this big winning run that they've had. I mean, I know like some Wizards fans will say that he should start, but especially tonight, you know, with Giannis coming in, but I, do, I don't think he should be starting. I think he should be eating up most of the minutes, obviously, because he's much better than Robin Lopez and Alex Land. <laughs> but, but you can't let him get, uh, you know, take all these fouls early in the game. You know, you need, you're going to need them. You might as well let Robin Lopez and Alex Land eat those fouls and l- let him, you know, take up the later parts of the game. So, you know, he can, you know, because it doesn't matter how you start. What matters is how you finish. That's so you know, even though the Wizards started badly, they're finishing off the season in a great fa- in a great way. But now moving on to Russell Westbrook's legacy as a whole, you know, once again, averaging triple double four seasons out of the last five, with the exception of you know last season with Houston. Uh, a lot goes into that, obviously. But you look know, at look at Eric, look at Eric's face. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey man, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be here to you know go on James Harden even though I don't necessarily like him, but like yeah. you know obviously obviously within 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 that within that system and within how they played, Russell Westbrook, I mean probably should have been able to get more rebounds I'd say especially with how bad the Rockets were rebounding last year, I think you know maybe he could have gotten a few more rebounds than he did, but like in terms of creating and stuff like in terms of at least getting double digit assists obviously it's a bit tougher when you're playing next to James Harden because he's going to be carrying a significant part of that as well uh, but you know I don't want to focus too much I want to focus on his like you know this is a guy that I grew up on for years you know watching I've, I've grew, I grew up on Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant that era of basketball was the era of basketball that 
brought the most inherent joy to me. Well, uh, at least in that moment, in retrospect, I probably don't agree with that assessment. But like, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, but that era of basketball was the, you know, that's when, I, that was the onset of my interest in basketball. You know, th those, those two guys, they meant a lot to me. And what they, what they were accomplishing, you know, together, that was a very, very fun thing to watch. Obviously, I have my reservations about what happened in those years and why they didn't, and they ended up not winning. Hey, you listen, know. me and Eric, we've talked about it a lot, you know. So every I know, year, I wanna... every year that Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and the Thunder were healthy, they made the Western Conference Finals. So in 2010, yeah. everyone was healthy. They made the Western Conference Finals. Um, 2011. Well, correction, correction. Just that 2010, they lost in the first round to the Lakers. Sorry, 2011. Oh. Yeah, 2011. I mean, I mean that was their first playoff series, and they took them mm -hmm. to six. They took the NBA champion, champion Lakers with you know Kobe still at his best. To is, task. They 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 played them tough. You know, they, yeah. this was second year Russell Westbrook, third year Kevin Durant, first year James Harden, and the bench. you know first first year Ibaka, and you know, few other guys, you know, so. Uh, obviously, that, it, you know, them taking them to six, that was pretty impressive, especially in their first playoff run. Coming off a 23 and 59 season. And with no head coach. year before. And with no head coach, yeah. I mean, sorry, they had Scott Brooks. I apologize. <laughs> uh, right. Russell, Russell Westbrook's biggest legacy in the NBA is keeping Scott Brooks in a job. And getting, <laughs> no, well, that's number two. Number one is get, um, getting Steven Adams paid. He got yeah, him. Oh, hey, oh, we, 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 we want to, man, man. The guy that used to steal man, you know, rebounds I, from Russ. Yeah, I just get, or, or, or yeah, that that that's what we know now, but that's not what he used to, what people used to think then. It was like Russell Westbrook was stealing the rebounds. No, Russell Westbrook is just a better rebounder. I'm sorry to break your heart, but like, yeah, sure, probably in some situations he takes the rebound, but like, you know, if they. I don't think it was a it was a schematic thing, especially for a team with a half court offense about as poor as the Thunder did. You know, you'd rather have Russell Westbrook take the rebound to start the fast break. You know, I see. I I will say that because whenever he was on the Rockets, he made a lot of Rockets fans like eat their words about that because every time he gets a rebound, he pushes hard and he gets a like he gets a fast break going quick and feels like more often than not points come out of it so like him getting rebounds people a lot of Rockets fans finally started to realize that he wasn't just like stat paying them like it actually does help the team and it's like really beneficial for them yeah yeah obviously I mean and also what what like some people say like in terms of like Russell Westbrook stat padding specifically uh you know and like you know this guy had made out the first round and stuff since Kevin Durant left okay sure we can agree we can agree on no one just that is an objective, you know, of course, but like each year came with its own issues. Like each year after that came with, with its own issues. Like mm -hmm. first year, obviously, I don't care what anyone says. That roster without Russell Westbrook does not win more than 20 games. End of I, I watched that team. I watched that team closely. That that I don't I don't I I you don't need anyone else to tell you anything about this. I know that. The Thunder that year did not have Russell Westbrook. They are the worst team in the NBA. 
I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, that, that was a terrible team. Where, where do I even start? Like, and, and those are things that those are things I was saying back then, and those are things I'll still say now. I'm not going to change my mind because of some revisionist history that some people, be it NBA Twitter, be it NBA journalists, or you know the likes of Stephen A. Smith. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, this, I, I don't need I don't need to get into that. Bro, he annoys but, me more than uh, Colin Coward at this point. I'm not gonna lie, he's so uh, annoying. He's, 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 I mean, he's he's pushing it a bit too far to live with God. with some of these things, but you know, and and we don't need to we don't need to get into him. I don't I I I think we all know how we feel about him. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like him, but still, you know that that year, you know, consider this: Victor Oladipo was you know obviously an unfulfilled prospect, coming off disappointing years in Orlando where. He still wasn't the player that they were hoping he'd be, you know. He was still like a middling player that does that does some things at a decent level, but not to not to play like a player that's probably more of a number three than a number two. And he was a number two on this team. And in the playoffs, he did nothing. He he was he he was probably he was like fifth in scoring. He was scoring less points than Andre Roberson. All due respect to Andre Roberson, I love that guy. It's a shame what happened to him in twenty seven in twenty eighteen with the slip and with all the problems with recovery and stuff was essentially has ended his NBA career because there it was already a limited player as it is and it's taken away a lot of that you know the, you know the all the setbacks that he had over the past three years or so so he, when Andre Robertson is your second leading scorer in a playoff series against a three seed. You know, 55 on three seed with James Harden, Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, uh, you know, and all these guys. So when, when I mean, I mean that that matchup wasn't fair. And when and when the backup point guard is Samadhi Christian, or <laughs> I was waiting for you to mention him. 2017 Norris Cole. You saw what ha- you saw what happened. Like the Thunder were like hey, operating. Yeah, a huge legend right there. Be respectful. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I don't Carry, carry, carry LeBron to two championships. Uh, you, you spare, spare me that LeBron talk. Come on, <laughs> come on, they're, they're, come on, man. Any, well, enough, James, enough. I gotta ask you before you continue. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're a big Russell Westbrook guy, and you were an even bigger OKC Thunder fan. If yeah. the day of tomorrow Russell Westbrook announces he wants to have a one last dance with OKC, would you be down to have it? Pending the coach, or do you want him to go out on his own terms? Uh, and, and with respect to that, I'd say I don't. I don't know. Like, may, may, definitely, I'd love to see him come back. Love to see him finish out his career there. Hopefully, like by the t- by the time he's at a much later stage in his career than now, because he's still performing at pretty good level. And so you, you want know, like to see defend- him with I'd I'd love I'd love to see him with Shea in a few years' time, hopefully in like 2024, okay. when they when they're fully competitive, when they're gearing, when they're at the level that hopefully you know we'll be seeing them at. You know, you know it's a similar level to Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that we can they can be at that level by the time uh, Russell Westbrook, if it ever comes down to it, wants to come back. So. 
you know, and they can, and I imagine he'd still be a pretty solid player, maybe like a sixth man player of sorts, sorts at that stage in his career at age 36. So, you know, and it would be, and you know, hopefully he can win a championship, be it there or elsewhere. I, that's that, you know, I think no, ma- no matter where he wins it, I'd be very happy. Unless it's like Boston, in which case, no. Or may, or the Clippers also, in which case I'd say no. Wow. Uh, nothing. I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, the Clippers. Uh, I'm sorry, they, they're they're a team that has to maintain their reputation as a team that doesn't mm-hmm. make it out to the second round. You know, I think, I think we, That's I think we. This year, we, baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Clips that we trust. Bro, it's so funny always seeing Noah trying to get like he's always talking about Russ going to the Lakers and stuff like that. Man, he really wants Russ to start ring chasing bad right now. Oh, it's so funny. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I feel the same way to some extent, but not, but, but the, not that. But not, the, the, but I don't have a problem with that. Listen, Jason Kidd got a ring for coming off the bench with the Mavericks, and people think he's a demigod. So why can't Russell Westbrook? No, I, I wouldn't be upset at it. I want to see Russ get a ring, too. That's the thing. I feel like I'm one of the very few people that likes Russ and Chris Paul, and I want to see both of them get a ring, and I'm to the point where I don't care how they get it, as long as they both end with a ring. Yeah, I think I, I that's my hope, of course, uh, hopefully. You know, we can see him with the ring. I mean, obviously, the ring will not affect my perception of him. Mm-hmm. Ring or yeah, no yeah. ring, this is still this is still the player that I've loved watching growing up. This is still the player yeah, that I've stood by, you know, through his best and worst moments. So, uh, irrespective of that fact, he he he, as long as he's at peace with where he is, as long as he still does what he always does, I don't think. I don't think there's there's much that could affect my perception of him. Although I certainly hope to see him win a championship one day, regardless of how it comes. Regardless of but, how it comes. Yes. I just want to finish this off I mean, before I'm, we I'm, switch to the Champions League. I just want to say Russell Westbrook was the best team, best player on that 2016 Thunder team that made it to the conference finals and was one game away from finals. Russell Westbrook was better than Kevin Durant that year. That's all I'm going to say. Are, all right, can I, can I, like, I'm going to make some closing remarks on this thing before we can move on to the Champions League, of course, uh, with respect to, you know, his legacy. His, le- his legacy should not be defined by the what-ifs of, you know, the, the thunder years after 2012 or what happened after KD left or him not winning a ring or any of that. You know, his, his legacy should be defined as a player that's truly one of one in NBA history, you know, the, you know, the, the ability to go out there and compete as hard as he does, to go out there and produce as well as he does, even with the drawbacks of that intensity, you know, with the intensity that he shows night in, night, night out. There, 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 is no, there is no player that gives everything they have to the team quite like Russell Westbrook does. And you can't, yeah, and nobody can take that away from him. And, you know, hopefully we can see him break Oscar Robertson's record. Obviously, that would be like a big, big legacy boost. But I hope to see him hit 200 triple doubles next year. Hopefully, that that happens as well. You know, if he if he hits to the day he hits 200 is going to be a very very great day. And I and yeah and and to be honest with you, I know people like but I don't know if anybody thought about it like back in 1962 when Oscar Robertson was doing it. Probably because like. Keeping track, like uh, data tracking and all that, wasn't like 
that big of a deal. Like, I don't think anyone was thinking of the Oscar Robertson thing as that much when it happened. Now it's, now Russell Westbrook does it every day and it's like, okay, it's just a mm-hmm. fact of life. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of similar, except that Russell Westbrook is doing it at a much larger scale and is doing it, you know, at this stage of his career. And hopefully I see, I, you know, he keeps adding to his legacy and hopefully he can keep treating us fans to the best product possible before he retires. And, you know, I want to take a moment to show my appreciation and to shout out all the Westbrook fans on Twitter, <laughs> off Twitter, wherever, wherever you're hearing this from, you know, you guys, you've stood by him since day one, just like myself. So, you know, credit to you guys. And you guys obviously deserve to see Russell Westbrook break the record. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. And that's all mm-hmm. she wrote, folks. Um, yeah, yeah, shout out to Ross. Hopefully, hopefully he breaks the record this year. Um, moving on to our third and last topic of the day. Obviously, this is the most important topic, whether you like it or not. It is the most important <laughs> topic in my non-biased and objective opinion. Um, I'm not going to start this segment this time. I'm going to have my, my guy, Eric, do it. Um, Eric, can you start us off, please? Yeah, how'd it feel, Andres? Oh. How does it feel? I'm ready for this. Yeah. All right. I just want to point out, we were so much better than y'all. So much better. Like, y'all suck. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be real. I'll, I'll be respectful. Okay, I just had to get that real quick. I see your face. No, 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 I'm not done. But first off, Captain America, Captain Maga, whatever marker Mark calls him on Twitter, he calls him Captain Maga, which has me crying every time. Christian Pulisic, that man played 23 minutes today, and he was amazing in those 23 minutes. Conte, my favorite player ever. N'Golo Conte, he was amazing. Havertz, look, Havertz, I love that. He was garbage. He missed so many opportunities. He was garbage. He missed so many. Like, he broke open and had a ton of opportunities, and he created a lot, but he just blew it so many times. Like, realistically, this game should have been over, like, in the 60th minute, but we just could not put it away. I don't know. After that first leg, I thought it was going to be a lot closer, but y'all just got outclassed everywhere everywhere i know you were nervous before this game but i was i did not expect it to go this way i thought it was gonna be way closer it wasn't it wasn't all that close really like i, I will say though benzema he had me nervous with a few of those shots like edward mendy was our signing of the year it feels like because if keppa's in goal we y'all have at least one goal no doubt like i'm just i'm so excited and I don't know, man. I'm I'm nervous about City. They they're looking kind of good. They're fluky though, so we ain't worried about them. Are you much, done? You know? Are you done? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about how talk about how they all suck. This how you're mad at the team. Whatever is the thing. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So, non-biased and objective opinion. We got outworked. We yep. got mollywopped. We deserve to lose. Yep. But it's not because Chelsea was better. Nah. It's because of fatigue. I'm kidding. No, Chelsea was a better team. Obviously. <laughs> I was waiting. Obviously. Um, but listen, fatigue is real. You know, we were playing a game every three days the last, like, I don't know, 40 days, the last month and a half. We've been playing a game every three days. And the players were just mentally tired. You know, they were physically tired. I will say this. Tucho's game plan to contain Tony Cruz worked perfectly because he was uncomfortable. And he's the engine of the team. So if he's not comfortable, the team is not comfortable. Um <clears throat> 
shout out to Zizu, man. My my manager, my goat. Um, he had I've said this every fucking episode. I really don't fucking care. You know, none of you can beat my ass, so I'm sorry. We had 57 injuries. We managed to get two games away from the or one game away from the Champions League title. Um, everyone that said that we were a Ronaldo dependent team, I hope that you guys learned that the reason why we won those four Champions League titles was because of Zizou, not because of Mr. Number Seven for Juventus, who I will not comment. Oh um, my goodness. Well, guys, no, I'm not going to relax. You know, I'm not going to relax. <laughs> Angola Conte, a tip of the cap, one of the best, if not the best, in my opinion, the best defensive center midfielder in the world. His work rate was unbelievable. Antonio Rudiger, his, his work rate was unbelievable. Kai Havertz, he played like garbage. If he, if he, <laughs> if he was good or quote-unquote good, then we would have lost in the first half. Um, Timo Werner, he gets a lot of criticism from Chelsea Twitter, from Chelsea fans. He was solid today, you know. He had that was, lucky yeah. goal, quote unquote, but he was doing all the right things to get his team in position to score those goals. It wasn't just him. Um, Andrea Christensen, fuck you. You know, ho- hopefully, hopefully <laughs> you, something happens and you don't play in the Champions League final because he was trying to murder everyone on the pitch today and it was disgusting. He should have had a red early on. The referee sl- let it slide like three times. And finally, like the sixth time, he finally got a yellow card. A lot of people like to bitch about Casemiro not getting yellow cards, but now you witnessed it today with Andrea Christensen. Um, who else do I have to comment on? Oh, Edward Mendy. Mount. Mount. Uh, Mason Mount. He was a sir on the camp. He was amazing. I thought he was going to score that goal, but Courtois, he was he was better. Um, Courtois was the man of the match for us. And when your goalkeeper's the man of the match, it means the whole team was garbage. Shout out to FIFA for teaching that lesson for those of you that play FIFA. <laughs> um, Edward Mendy, what a goalkeeper. Um, like, like Eric said, uh, signing of the year. That man was Superman on both of those saves from Benzema. I genuinely thought one of them was going to go in, but his reaction time was impeccable. Um, Tucho planted an amazing game, amazing tactics. So um, for those of you that are PSG fans or like just football fans in general, um, Tucho lost the final, right? Then he got fired. Now he's going to the final again, and his old team got mollywogged because karma is real, ladies and gentlemen. As far as the PSG Man City game goes, I mean, you already guys know what happened. Man City, Mollywood, PSG, they just, they got out, like, like we did today. PSG just got outworked. Um, they looked tired, but um, Pochettino, like I said before, I said this on the live show, shout out to the, the sports, um, sports hit list. Um, basically, what happened in the PSG Man City game is that Pochettino is a loser. He's a loser today. He's a loser tomorrow. He's going to continue to be a loser. I'm so glad he does not coach my club because he's a loser. Point, simple blank. No other better explanation uh, to put it. Um, congrats please. to Manchester City on reaching their first European final. We're going to see if Manchester is about to be blue or if it will continue to be red. Um, congrats to Chelsea. Second final since <laughs> and the first final since 2012. Underdogs, I wonder what team uh, they are. I'm not going to get into yeah. that. But um, with that being said, Yams, can we gather your unbiased thoughts on the Chelsea Real Madrid game, sir? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Today, man, to be honest with you, Chelsea, Chelsea ran Real Madrid off the park. They, they did it. From the, from the first whistle up until the very last, they were, they were the better team. And if, if Chelsea knew how to finish for worth a damn, you know, <laughs> if, they, if they knew how to finish, like, you know, they, they win this 5-0, 6-0, in my opinion. Like, they, it, was, it wasn't, like, like I'll tell you this. You know, you said that you thought, you know, Courtois was, like, you know, 
didn't really feel it felt like if Chelsea were taking it too easy like they were you know they were they they were they considered those goals to be you know already in even though you know they hadn't even taken the shot they were, they were acting like they're guaranteed to score half half the time so they they floundered quite a few clear cut chances uh, throughout the match especially in the first half mind you uh, you know if I so if I want to, I'll talk. I'll talk first by, I'll start with the bad of the match. The bad, you know. I'll, so, I'll, so I'll start talking about Real Madrid bit here. That was uh, Tuchel. Just he, he showed his class today. Tuchel, he, he, he did everything right. He, he, he had the perfect, perfect lineup, you know, and his, his tactics, his tactical understanding. You know, it shined through today. He, he, he's, he's been a revelation for Chelsea ever since he showed up at Stanford Bridge. If, if you signing signing the year wasn't Edward Monday, it was it was it was being able to get Thomas Tuchel to Chelsea on such short notice after getting sacked from PSG, if anything, because this guy he's done wonders with them, especially on the back end. You know, Chelsea. Has conceded how many goals since he's come in? Like seven, like yeah, five, seven goals. About. Yeah, man, that's and like five of those were against West Brom. <laughs> so like that game, the, like, that game doesn't even count, honestly. That doesn't count. Yeah, I mean, I mean, outside of that match, it's been essentially a seamless track record defensively for Chelsea. So, you know that that's that's really that that has saved their season altogether. Mm-hmm. You know, and and today once again. His managerial acumen and prowess, you know, they've they've they've, they've shined through. Uh, you know, hopefully this time, his play like in the Champions League final. Hopefully they don't do what they did to him last year, because if you want my honest opinion, PSG should have won that final. Uh, I mean, everyone agrees on that, but they just missed countless easy opportunities against Bayern, especially Mbappe. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, with a bit, with a bit. I mean, obviously that Byron got they base they got back at Byron this year by not doing so well and still winning. You know, Byron. Yeah, but you know, but like all in all, it was a pretty listless performance from Real Madrid as a whole. You know, outside of like maybe Modric, I'd say there wasn't really any player that really did that well and Courtois to a limited extent too I guess but like to be honest he was aided by Chelsea's uh, failure to finish rather than any making any inherently big stops like because he was out of his own abilities but rather because they kind of screwed up a few times it seemed like so but now Chelsea, uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't hoping they'd make it to the final. I'll be honest with you. I would, I was hoping they would. I was hoping they wouldn't make it to the final. Come on, man. Uh, I, I, it, it's nothing personal. It has nothing to do with 2012. To be but to be honest, Chelsea winning the Champions League again. Uh, that's that's not. That is not. That's not something I'm hoping for. <laughs> to be honest, that's not something I was expecting, either. So, uh, while I have my reservations about that, let's move on to... Wait, wait, wait. So, does this mean both of y'all are going to be going for City? 
in the final? Uh, I, I, I didn't see all that. I hope COVID just crashes the game. <laughs> I hope. Oh, I, I, man. I, I, like, it doesn't matter. Whoever wins, it doesn't matter. Like, to be honest exactly, with you, bro, like, but like, regard, regard, like, regardless of who made it to the final this year, like, out of these four teams, the worst I, outcome of these four teams happened. No disrespect. Come on, man. I mean, I mean, the, the best, the best outcome isn't exactly much better, regardless. Oh, Madrid PSG would have been better. Don't lie. Stop it. Oh no, no, Neymar winning a Champions League. Are the fans no. rooting for Neymar or for Real Madrid? You're gonna tell me that would have been great. No. Now they got to root for. Now they got to root for Satan, Satan 2.0, or or Chelsea. Very nice. Um, oh, yeah. Yams, can we get a prediction from you for this game? Uh, we're gonna before. cover. We're gonna cover the Champions League final like um two or three weeks when before yeah. it comes. But yeah. since you're an unbiased Bayern fan and you're very objective and you have no hate for Chelsea, can I get your prediction? I I don't like either teams, but you know I want to talk about. I just want to finish off talking about Chelsea today, like the players more specifically before I make my prediction. You know they all did well. Obviously, you know uh, Havertz and Werner were quite wasteful. <laughs> but other than that, there wasn't really much of many blemishes on them as a team outside of their inability to finish, which I've mentioned at least five times. But when when you only have one thing to focus on, that's in the you know, when this is the only problem I can talk about, it's probably a good sign that you did well, unless you lose. In which case, that's probably a sign that you didn't do too well. I mean, it's only it's only okay if you win, but it's not okay if you lose any waste opportunities. Yeah. Okay, but Champions League final predictions. That's a few weeks away. Uh, who knows what happens between now and then, especially in terms of like who might be available or might not be there. Mm-hmm. But uh, impl- implying, implying health, full health for both teams. Uh, it's going to be a close one. I think this one goes the extra time. Tied 1-1 after 90. Mm-hmm. Much like a certain final in 2012. I don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Much like a certain... And, this, and I believe that when it comes down to it, I think Pep comes out on top when they win 2-1 on a, on a goal from none other than Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, God. Oh, we're naming goal scorers now. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I mean, I don't care what I can. I'm, 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 I'm going to name the time here, but I think, I still think that if there were like probably the winning goal scorer is going to be Kevin De Bruyne. Am I like, yeah, I think he's going to be the guy scoring the winning goal. And Tiago Silva. I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I, this is, this is a very, this is going to, oh, that's another, this is going to come. Sorry. This is this is either going to look like a great prediction or it's going to look really bad. Kevin De Bruyne either scores the winner. If it, fin- if it finishes after in 90, Kevin De Bruyne scores the winner in like the 82nd minute. If this finishes in 120, he scores in the 96th minute. Oh my goodness. 96th minute and then nothing ha- and then you know they keep going back and forth and maybe City scores a third goal <laughs> off, a, off a Chelsea, like off a Chelsea corner where, you know, they have to send the goalie up because, they, you know, they, they've got to go for it. They, 
and then they just you know they just score a quick goal. Bro, like, I am. But it's good. But the scoreline prediction, the scoreline prediction. My final scoreline prediction is gonna be two one City. It's gonna be very close. This can go either way. I th- and I think you know the upcoming match between Chelsea and Man City later this week is gonna give us a good indicator as to really okay. That's a very th- prediction. Okay. I, th- I think I think it'll give us a good idea, but obviously it's not it's not a definitive indicator. Actually, because... now that I think about it, Chelsea still has to get top four, so you might be right. Now that ah, I we got that, we're good. Don't worry about that. Right, right, right. West Ham ain't nothing. Yeah, uh, I gotta give another shout out to Thiago Silva because he's one of the other biggest signings of um the season. Um, with that being said. This has been everything for episode 17 of the Sports Fellas podcast. Um, Yams, any last word before we retire, sir? I mean, I, I'm, I've said everything I've wanted to say. You know, um, it's been a pleasure being here to talk to you guys about, you know, all these topics. Uh, you know, uh, I'm glad. Yeah, you know, I'm, you know, but as I was saying, I, I'm very happy to, to have been, to have hopped on this podcast today. And to have discussed all these matters with you guys, uh, it was a worthwhile use of my time before Aftar because I'm going to break my class in about an hour from now. So I think this is a good use of time rather than, <laughs> to hear, you know, sir. appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm glad I was able to hop on with you guys. Good you to have you, man. Thank you, guys. Eric, any yeah. final words before we wrap up number 17? Oh, uh, yeah. Just to remind you, because you did want to give him a shout-out, but you hadn't mentioned him yet. Shout-out to John Means. No hitter. He got – is that what you're about to say? You – continue, bro. You got it. You know what? Yeah, yeah. I knew you were about to say you that. End so You end the episode. <laughs> I'm just saying. We well, wanted to give a shout-out to him real quick. John Means, he got a no hitter. Uh, oh, should have been a perfect game, you know. Me personally, I would have gotten a perfect game, but I'm just built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You built different, huh? Well, you, you, know, yeah, well, you, you would have made sure that the catcher didn't drop the third strike. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, oh, I think you would have played both pitcher and catcher there. Huh? Before we go, so my final <laughs> words um, if you're a Barca fan and you watch that game, you realize why um, Thibaut Courtois is one of the best goalkeepers in the world and Mark Andre Torque Stegen is not. Shout out to Dylan, who was on the last episode. Shout out to the football group chat. Always a good time. Shout out to my dog, Warsami, and Christian. They're Chelsea fans, too. Um, they're back in the final. They deserve happiness. Um, and, you know, they've, they've been wanting it all season long. You know, Frankie Lampard should be coaching in Austria next year, maybe. Definitely not the Premier League. Um, and shout yeah. out to Eric, because Chelsea's in the final, and he's a fan of the beautiful game. Congrats, Eric. Um, good luck. If you guys want to hear our predictions, you're going to have to wait for another two weeks to the end of the month. Um, this has been everything for episode 17. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Continue to wear a mask, practice social distancing, and don't be a jackass to people. And we'll see you in the next one. Peace.